we have real supernatural power available to us. Man, like Superman hasn't got anything on the reality of what Jesus has offered to us. And I really believe that this generation is going to walk in that stuff. This is The Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal the supernatural reality of God's love. When His love leads, a remarkable story follows. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. You're listening to part one of Lance's story, Leaving Everything for Jesus. You don't need the supernatural until you're in a situation where your resources are not sufficient. And I think in America, we're, we live in a culture where you don't really need the supernatural. We don't really need God. You have money. You know, you have comfort. You have stuff. And what I would say is go places where there are people that have nothing but God and you will see the miraculous. A lot of men, right? And I think women too, but a lot of men, you know, they, they're, they love like action movies and war movies and video games and all that stuff. And it's, it's because they're made to be warriors, they're made, we're made to be like, Jesus is a real hero. Superman's not real, man. Batman's not real. That's something someone made up. It's just a figment of someone's imagination. But the reason why we love that stuff so much is because it calls out the identity and the destiny that's inside of us and says, that's who you're supposed to be. But the Lord doesn't want us to live retroactively through fantasy characters that are not real. He wants us to wake up to the fact that there are people that are dying all over the world that we have the power to save. We have real supernatural power available to us. It's real stuff. Resurrection of the dead, healing of the sick, opening blind eyes, walking on water, transportation. I mean, man, like Superman hasn't got anything on the reality of what Jesus has offered to us. And I really believe that this generation is a gener- generation that is tapping that stuff, is going to walk in that stuff. Uh, I believe the millennials are pressing into it. There was in the, the boomers, you have these key figures, these key apostolic mothers and fathers, prophetic fathers and mothers who really, and there's always been a remnant of people moving in this stuff, right? But really in the boomer generation, there were these forerunners that began to say, okay, let's tap into this stuff. People like Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, John Wimber, um, Bob Jones. I mean, there's a lot of them. Uh, Cindy Jacobs, like all these amazing forerunners, Heidi Baker, who are walking and moving in this stuff. And then they're saying, now we got to pass this down the next generation. And you have this millennial generation that's raising up and we're kind of like this like experimental generation of what's possible. But the next generation that we raise up, these are going to be the guys that are like real superheroes. And so I just feel like my whole point in saying all this is like, man, like turn the TV off, like turn the movie off, like sell your video game console, like go devote your life to this stuff and be the hero, be a hero. A lot of my missionary heroes they had no supernatural training at all, zero. They'd never had a prophecy seminar. They had never seen any of this stuff. They just, the Lord told them to go to China or go to India or go to Egypt. And, and they just started seeing miraculous the whole time and their whole lives. Uh, I think um, Lottie Moon actually was a, I believe she was Baptist or she was like kind of a fundamentalist Christian who ends up becoming this like female apostle into China. And her life is just filled with miracles. And so it's like, and, and even in the Baptist church, they recognize this stuff happens on the mission field, but not here. I, I think that when you're in a situation of, 
utter desperation where you have nothing but God, you have to press in. And either he's real and the stuff stories we're telling are real or the Bible's not true. Because if God is not a God of miracles, then none of the word of God is true. The essence of Christianity is that we believe that God was born through a virgin impregnated by the Holy Spirit and literally God in the flesh, crucified, buried, resurrected from the dead. All of Christianity is based on miracles. If we don't believe in miracles, we don't, we're not really, we're not, we don't really believe in Christianity. We are way more concerned about living a comfortable life than we are about actually doing what Jesus said to do. And I don't say that as an indictment on the church. I say it as a awakening to the church because we've, we've been told that fulfillment comes from having the right job and having the right degree and having the right girl or boy, or having the right house, having the perfect set of kids and having your hobbies and, you know, doing some nice humanitarian stuff like that'll make you happy. And reality is the word of God says that eternity has been written in the hearts of men. We long for more than that. It's never enough. Like you get that stuff and you just try start trying to find more. And that's why people get hooked into drugs and alcohol, pornography, adultery, you know, it's not actually, I mean, like Christians get into that stuff and it's not because they're bad. It's because they're not fulfilled. The world has crept in the church and the church often looks more like the world than, it, than heaven. And uh, I mean, man, the Bible is so countercultural, you know, give to gain, die to live, serve to be exalted. Um, it's very countercultural. And it, it seems like it's not liberating, but it's only when we embrace what God says when we don't understand and do it that we discover the wisdom that he has and is that enables us to experience true life. There's a power that's accessed when we say yes to God that actually we don't experience until we step into it. And so I guess in summary of what I'm trying to say is that the church has been incredibly influenced by the world and what the world says will bring fulfillment and satisfaction. And it just doesn't, it's just a, it's a, it's a wild goose chase. And before you realize it and you've done everything they've said, you're so confused. You don't even remember where you came from. You don't remember your identity as a son of God. That's what the devil wants is he can't drag Christians to hell, but he can definitely, uh, he can definitely trick us and tempt us into aborting our destinies. Destiny is not unconditional. God's love is, you can, we can blow our destinies. You know, we can, we can trade our destiny for a cup of soup like Esau did. I think that the world culture we're in is a culture of performance. And so we're brainwashed as little kids. You like, I mean, like it's all conditional love. Like it is, it's all transactional love. Like for the most part, like, yeah, our parents do love us with an unconditional sense because God put that in parents unless they're really broken. But really it's, if you perform well, I'm going to love you. And if you perform poorly, I'm going to punish you. That's the same culture in the church. It is. It's the, it's the culture that most church leadership operates in. And they don't mean to. They're not bad. It's what was taught to them by their parents and their leaders. And so we have this culture pretty much everywhere except the most kingdom-minded churches. There are some out there. And, I, and it's not an elitist thing, but I'm just saying it's, it's quite rare that you don't have a punishment culture. It's pretty much everywhere. And so, yeah, like, I mean, I, I know I read scripture verses that now are what brings me freedom. And that set me free from all that stuff when I got the revelation, the free gift of righteousness. But the overarching paradigm 
that I was perceiving reality in was a legalistic law-based punishment-based paradigm that no one I'd ever met wasn't in literally like no one I ever met modeled anything other than that to me in my experience. Maybe they did and I just didn't see it. I don't know. I I don't remember ever having a grace based, unconditional love based gospel ever preached to me ever. The first time I heard it was when I was, I guess about seven years ago when I got delivered from this stuff. So I believe I had heard part of the gospel that says, believe this, you can go to heaven when you die. Praise God that multitudes of people are going to be in heaven because people have preached that. But the gospel is that heaven gets inside of you now on your earth and that the kingdom of heaven begins to come wherever you are and the atmosphere and the culture of heaven begins to invade everything that you are and everything that's around you. And we begin to become a colony of heaven on earth that walks in freedom, peace, joy, hope, provision, health, dominion, deliverance. I didn't hear that gospel. I heard a hold on until Jesus comes back gospel or a life's going to really be sucky and then you're going to die and then you get good a paradise gospel. I'd never heard the gospel that the kingdom is here. That's what Jesus says. He said, he sent the apostles to the disciples and he said, preach to them and tell them that the kingdom of God is here. Jesus would preach heaven is accessible until you realize you're absolutely desperate and you have nothing and can do nothing apart from God that you don't even exist apart from God and that you're not going to continue to exist apart from God until we hit that point, I would say the natural human bent is to try to be our own gods, which is essentially I can save myself. I can provide for myself. I can protect myself. I can take care of myself. And unfortunately, religion is one of the worst idols. It's one of the worst delusions. What happens a lot of the time is people try to be their own gods in the world. They use drugs, sex, money, performance, work, college, education, you name it. And they come to the end of that and they realize this is going to kill me. I got to stop doing this. They get saved. Someone gets on the gospel and they're cool. I'm going to heaven. And then they begin a whole new journey of self-sufficiency and self-salvation and religion. And then you get to the end of that road. And I think that's what happened to me as I went through that long road of the world where I realized drugs, alcohol, sex, being a criminal, all this stuff, that is not, that is not life. This is going to kill me if I don't stop. And then I had five years of, okay, well, cool. Now I'll do religion and religion will save me. And so I'd say I had that, I had that same, I had to have that realization two times. Um, so yeah, I think until people are at that point, like Jesus said, uh, I think it's in Isaiah 61. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has sent me to preach good news to the meek or to the poor. Why? Because they're the only ones that are ready to admit that they can't save themselves. Jesus didn't come to save. He didn't come as a physician for the well. He came to heal the sick and to seek and save that which was lost. And a lot of the stuff that Jesus said to the Pharisees was him rebuking them for thinking that they didn't need anything, that they were good, that their religion and their traditions, that was what they, that was their God. And there has to be a humility that occurs. And I think the nature of what happened in the garden of Eden was Adam and Eve. And then all of humanity believing that simple intimacy with God, simple dependence upon God, simple childlike trust in God isn't enough. And we need something more than that. We need more knowledge, more wisdom. We need to work harder you know, all this stuff. And I mean, my whole life I had security, financial security. I had, I had all the money I ever wanted. 
The only way I was able to walk away from that is I encountered something that was greater than that. I encountered the presence of the living Christ and that was what gave me the strength to do it. Saying yes to doing this and leaving everything for Jesus, man, I gave all that stuff away and I got a lot of Jesus. And I'd do it, I'd do it a thousand times again. I'd do it over and over again. It's worth it. Be sure to tune in Friday for the second part of Lance's story. We encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what He wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share His stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.